On today's show, I'm joined by Tyler Jones, our friend of the podcast, to talk about all things Hawks in a multi-part conversation, and the Hawks are headed to Mexico City. We'll have all details on that and more, all that on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1527 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday afternoon into the evening. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. And also, I should tell you at the top of the podcast, make us your first listen each and every day. Please check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. That includes places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc. And I am joined in a moment by my friend Tyler Jones, friend of the podcast, talking about all things Hawks and uh, three parts. Yes, three parts for the first time, I think maybe ever, but it's the first time in a while for sure. But a long conversation and it's sort of worthy of the offseason at this point. There is a little bit of news, though, at the top of part one here, and that is the Hawks are heading to Mexico City. So the NBA announced on Wednesday morning that the Hawks are going to be playing against the Orlando Magic on Thursday, November 9th in Mexico City. I think I was the first person to report this, but it's actually going to be a home game for the Magic, meaning that the Hawks will not lose one of their 41 home games. That's actually a positive for the Hawks when it, when it comes to revenue and fan stuff, etc. It's the 32nd game for the NBA in Mexico. Uh, crucially, though, the first time the Hawks will ever play in Mexico. It's going to be at Arena CDMX in Mexico City. Uh, tickets are not quite available just yet, but uh, obviously some interesting stuff there. Not a ton to get into about this game. You know, there's some altitude concerns with Mexico City. The Magic is sort of a, it's a division game for the Hawks. It's one game on the schedule. We don't have the rest of the schedule just yet. We probably won't have that until August. But it's the first game revealed for Atlanta, November 9th, Mexico City. Steve Cohen gave, gave a quote to uh, the NBA. I think Landry Fields spoke to AJC about this as well. So a little bit of news there. If you are a Hawks fan, maybe a diehard that wants to travel to the team, might be a fun trip to get on the schedule in between now and early November. But one more time, a regular season game for the Hawks, Thursday, November 9th in Mexico City against the Magic, and that will be a fun one to consume for everyone around the league, and especially for, of course, fans of the Hawks and the Magic. Okay, without any further delay, I'll talk about Everything on the Hawks agenda over the last month plus from the John Collins trade to DeJounte Murray to the draft to Summer League to DeAndre Hunter to Pascal Siakam, all that fun stuff coming on the way with myself and Tower Jones. Again, please stay tuned for part two and part three, which both should be in your podcast feeds right now as well. And uh, no more delay now. Myself and Tyler on the way right now. I am joined now for the first time in more than a month and a lot has happened. Tower Jones is back. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I only have, you know, got to start the pod with only one question. Um, Ritter season. It is Ritter season. Going. That is true. First day in camp uh, for your yeah, boys. That's the Falcons, your team, Brad. My, yes, my 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 raw fandom of the Falcons is, still exists, so we'll see how this goes. My expectations are very, very low. Uh, by the way, if you do not know, this is what this is what we what Tyler and I do. We talk about something random at the top of the podcast. So you do not find the Locked On Falcons podcast randomly on this on this show. Uh, but yeah, uh, Falcons, are you are you back in? I, I meant to ask you about this. Are you are you in? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Am I back in? Did, did, uh, February six was it? February six, two thousand seventeen, or February six, two thousand eighteen? I can't remember. Seventeen. 17? Yeah, it was definitely 17. I remembered it. Uh, yeah, no. Okay, no. just thought I'd ask. Um, okay, well, 
with that out of the way. Um, yeah, I mean, you and I, we, I thought about asking you a little bit ago and then you had issues and I had COVID and uh, here we are. It's July 26th. A lot has happened. Some of which feels like it was a lifetime ago. Like for instance, John Collins got traded like a month ago and you and I uh, I've talked about John a lot on this podcast. I think you and I are probably two of the higher people on him. You're even higher than him than I am. Um, but that happened. The draft happened. The DeJounte Murray extension happened. All the pa- Pascal Siakam rumors have happened. Yeah. yeah. Summer league has gone on. I was in Vegas. I, I probably got COVID from Vegas if I had to guess based on the timeline. Um, all those things. So, uh, we have a lot. To, we have a lot to discuss, but uh, I'll just start here. Like, how, how are you? How are you feeling as a, as a resident Hawks fan? How are we feeling here in late July? Um, overall, like for the future of the team, I'm actually sure pretty optimistic. Just because, well, you know, it's felt like since the trade deadline, when the Hawks got three like real rotation players, including Sadiq Bay along with uh, Bruno and uh, Gary Matthews, Gary Bird, uh, <laughs> for seven second-round picks. Like, ever since then, it's felt like they the Hawks have operated like an adult is running the team, if that makes sense. Um, it, it just feels like, you know, sensible moves. Not home runs, but, like, like I, I, the Sadiq Bay, I mean, the Sadiq Bay just, like, to get a talent like that for only five picks, like, that's pretty good. Look pretty good value. You get a backup center in Bruno Fernando or third center in Bruno Fernando making right around league minimum. Like that's who could potentially move up to being a backup center, depending on what they do with Capella. Like that was good value. Like Gary Matthews, a good like 11th, 12th man, like something they didn't have before that deadline. They did not have this. Now you look at this Hawks roster currently, even with the John Collins trade, still a fairly deep team. Still, so like, and it just feels like, unlike last year, if there are injuries, they may be able to like power through them in ways that they couldn't last year. Last year, if one guy went out, they were done. Like, even though, because I think on the last part, you talked about how the Hawks weren't that hurt. This is true. But when they were hurt, like, they they just had no shot. Like, they could not afford to lose one rotation player just because of how like weak the roster was. 10 like 11 it was like 10 through 17 or whatever like they just didn't have nba like in respect to like justin holiday like he was like that supposed to be the ninth man and ninth tenth man and he just couldn't he just didn't have it anymore so like now you compare you compare where they were last year to where they are right now they've got a a full bench they got a full starting five like everything looks good they might still have some more moves to make but you know just the outlook of the team i think it's pretty good from a general manager or you know executive uh, perspective at least to me yeah i think that's absolutely right i mean you know they they paid um some capital to do that but it, you know we talked about it at the time like they really increased their depth and um you know it's weird because there's a whole conversation to be had about like whether they're better now than they were on paper six months ago or four, four months ago, because essentially they just traded Collins for nothing, which doesn't make you better. It, it cleans your books up. You could certainly, I'm not, that's not even a value judgment. I mean, you and I, again, are higher on John than others, but removing the value judgment, it doesn't make you better to trade on the court to trade him for nothing, but you do have more depth now. And I think crucially, we'll talk about this. I'm sure like you have Quinn Snyder now for a full off season and going into a full next season. I think the combination of those two things 
should at least make up for losing Collins in theory. Because, I mean, you and I talked about this last year. You know, I thought the whole year I said as much. Like They were they should have been better than they were, is the yeah. way that I would put that. Like, the talent on last year's roster was not the talent of a team that should have been where they were in the ninth, tenth spot for most of the season. Like, that should have been better. And, and I think now, yeah, well, I would argue, like, again, not trading calls doesn't make you better, but you have so much better stuff, like, around – which is what you're talking about with the depth. I mean, adding Wes Matthews for nothing. Again, not a, not a sexy move, but a guy who can probably play and he won't, he's not going to embarrass you. Um, you know, like you said, you're keeping Garrison Matthews, keeping Bruno Fernando. You know, the rookies are probably not going to help you a ton as uh, as rookies, but the depth is pretty strong. They have, and again, Portland, they have Quinn. So that all is set up pretty well, I think. We'll talk about like the transaction stuff too, but I generally agree with you, like, I saw some of the overrunners starting to come out. The Hawks are pretty modest. I, I, have a, I have a feeling based on the national temperature that I'm going to be higher on the Hawks this year than some people are. They, um, they, the Hawks are getting some – the Hawks are getting – like based on the pods I'm listening to because um, I'm back to listening to NBA podcasts. We're back, baby. Right <laughs> uh, but like there's like a small little level of optimism with this Hawks team. And I think it has a lot to do with Quinn. Like I, oh, it's yeah. hard not it's it's hard not to like to me it's hard not to watch how the Hawks play in summer league and not think if they can just get these this level amount of three point attempts up like they're going to be good like I think it, it's not it's more complicated than that because they they got some issues to go off the biggest thing they're going to miss with without you know Collins is the defense like that that's really where he he put his staple on this team and like I mean I mean in the playoffs. I don't even think it's much of an argument. He was by far the team's best defender. Like just, you know, considering everything he did um, in the playoff series against the Celtics. So like, that's going to be, that's going to be missing. And it's going to be interesting to see if this is the team they're going to bring, how Quinn is going to, is going to marry offense and defense. Like how is he going to get both of those things together? Like, is he going to try to do it with the starting lineup or is he going to go defense to start and then offense off the bench and try to, like, mismatch it there? But then you you kind of run into the same problems you did last year where both Quinn and McMillan couldn't, couldn't really find a cohesive unit that he could play for, like, extended stretches that was good on both ends of the floor. Like, it's it's really tough with this team, but that that's kind of – I mean, that's why – Hopefully they get they got some more moves to make maybe, but um, like it, it'll be interesting to see what 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 they do. But like it, at the end of the day, they'll go as like to me at the end of the day, just big big picture. Like if if Quinn gets the offense right, I think they'll be good. Like that that's my just general appraisal of the team. So I I just think for the, this Hawks team, offense is just that much more important than defense. He has to get the offense where. It's just like one of the top five at least. Bear, they honestly probably need to be top three in offense, and that's 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 a high bar to clear. But they got the talent to do it. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. You take your first swing at betting MLB at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're a new customer, get up ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two hundred dollars. That's right, just bet twenty bucks, you'll win two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel has great promotions each and every day. You can pay instantly when you win. The app is also safe and secure. Plus, they have every kind of betting angle that you're looking for that you might possibly ever want. 
at FanDuel. They cover the whole range of sports as well. That includes baseball and the NBA, WNBA, college basketball, college football, NFL, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and much more. And different wagering options as well present at FanDuel from live betting to futures, player props, point spreads, totals, money lines, etc. There's no better place to bet all the baseball and basketball action that you're looking for than America's number one sportsbook. So sign up right now today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get the $200 in bonus bets right now at FanDuel. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a throwback to what the foundation was that we've, we've all talked about, you and me and Glenn and others and Kevin, about like this is a team as long as it's built around Trey and a, kind of the way it's been built, they have to be – elite on offense to be where they want to be. And that was, you know, because of the, the defense was so bad for large portions of last season, it got probably under discussed that the offense was not good enough last year. They were good on offense, but they weren't great on offense and they have to be great because of the personnel they have. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like once Quinn took over, they, they, they took steps towards great. They were back in that top, top four or five range but for the full season. The numbers were what they were. They were pretty good offensively, but, when you're carrying a defense that you know was firmly in the bottom seven or eight like all year long, that isn't good enough. And and that's kind of the thing what you what you what you just brought up about like trying to find lineups. We'll obviously have more on this in September, which we talked about really previewing the season. But like one of the real concerns or at least questions about this team is like the ability to play two way lineups because you have some guys who are not like a hundred percent one way players. But you have to, like, to get enough shooting on the court. Like you kind of need bogey and you kind of need bay. And those guys are not offense only, but they're kind of offense only in some respects. And then you know you're hoping Jalen's a two way guy, but right now Jalen on defense is probably a little bit further ahead than Jalen on offense in the half court anyway. Your centers are still primarily defensive first players. They're not only defensive first, but you know what I mean. Like they don't have a ton of guys who you just love both ends of the floor. And that creates some challenges for you because you still want to be enough offense. And I think the best way to surround Trey always is like get shooting on the court. And I think we've seen Quinn leaning in that direction, all of the messaging, uh, even summer league when they're bombing away from three. Like, I think they also that I hear behind the scenes, even is like, they, they want to surround the backcourt of Trey and DeJounte with shooting at, especially the three and the four. But if you do that with the current roster, that means a lot of defensive questions when you like, you know, their best offensive lineup right now, is Trey DeJounte probably bogey and Bay, the four of those guys? You can't stop anybody with those four guys. And they probably know that, but like they might be so good on offense, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's that ultimate trade off of like trying to find a sweet spot of like where you can just do enough on defense while keeping your offense lead. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's the rub. That's the rub with the team. I, I, I will say though, um, it, I mean, I, just to talk about summer league a bit less about the yeah. players and more how, how they played. Like it, it was encouraging how they rebound. Like it's, it's weird to point out some stuff, but it was encouraging how they rebounded defensively more like how the guards rebounded. Like I, I thought particularly like when AJ Griffin was in or uh, he was like really getting after the boards in a ways that he hadn't done so. And so like, hopefully what, what we're going to see is more activity from like DeJounte Murray on, on you know defensive rebounding, more from Trey Young, even defensive rebounding, and like naturally DeAndre and, and Sadiq. Like they, they just have to everybody's gonna to have to step up. Like the 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 the, the biggest thing is that if, if people remember last year, the Hawks were actually pretty good defensively right up until Capella got hurt. And then they changed their defensive scheme and the defense just fell off. Like and it but they had to they had to change it because 
Like it, it, the way they were defending wasn't sustainable for an 82 game season. Like Capella just wasn't going to last playing this all out defensive scheme, trying to cover for everybody. And Collins and the Congo were just going to be in routine foul trouble. Uh, so like, it's going to be like, to me on defense, they have more, like, even though they're not, they don't have great defensive personnel, like DeJounte Murray is more talented than what he's shown. DeAndre Hunter has to be better defensively. And Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay has to. The, the positive with me with Sadiq is like I'm not worried about his physicality He's or his physical. effort level. Yeah. Like I don't that doesn't concern me. It's more like scheme based. You can't make these execution errors. Like he has to, you know, embrace that. He he, he might potentially be starting and and like to me this is where there's fluidity and what Quinn might do here. It's like if Bay and Hunter aren't cutting it, you know, he has options to go to other people. That that's the that is the boon of this team currently. Whereas, like, you know, outside of outside of the point, outside of the guards, outside of training Dejounte, like truth truth be told, there are minutes minutes are just going to go to whoever's playing the best that game. Like to yeah. me, and so it, it'll be interesting to see like who who rises to the top here because I I think everybody's going to get an opportunity to showcase that hey I deserve to be the thirty minute player on this roster and like. For as much as I I rag on DeAndre, he's consistently been a, a mid thirty three minute, mid to low thirty plus minute per game player the entirety of his career. That's in large part to do with the fact that he's never had any competition. Now he does, so it'll be interesting to see if he can, because like theoretically he should be that guy, and like you see it in you still see it in spurts, even though he's an older player. Like you see. The shooting, like in, in the Celtics, the last couple of games, like I felt like he really found something offensively that was more sustainable than than like what the mid range, quote unquote mid range assassin that he was trying to be. Like he's got to, he's really got to, he's really got to um, embrace the role as a three and D wing. Like he has to do that because that's what they need from him. That's what they need from him as the team's best. You know, not. Not even best, but more most consistent perimeter defender because, like, yeah. he's that plus the positive shooting that he does bring. Can he shoot more threes? Like, he has to do that. Like, they need him to do that. They need everybody on the scene to shoot more threes. And I think he and Dejounte are the are the big ones because, like, those two guys are the theor- theoretical two way players next to the centers who who while they right. they can't create shots from themselves, they are good offensively. Just how they how they operate like right. th- those are the guys that, that are going to have to step up for the scene to to really push not just to be outside of the plane but really push to where they want to because this this is not a team that's just okay with being the sixty like this is not or being a first round no know, hard scrabble first round team oh we get we gave ourselves a good run don't we feel great guys like this, to me this that, that's not how this team has been operating like they want to win a championship they want to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals again. For that to happen, like to me, it's really like if if DeAndre and Dejounte, like they got to step it up, like just period on yeah. both ends of the floor. No, I totally agree, and I think your point is a good one uh, about like no one's minutes are as locked in as they've been in the past, other than Trey and Dejounte. I think those are uh, for obvious reasons; those guys are going to play a ton of minutes, and they should. But yeah, Hunter Hunter has real competition. I mean, I know he's he's making a lot of money now. He's got he's on the extension starting the season. But they have other options. They have they have AJ Griffin. They have Sadiq Bay, who can kind of do some things that DeAndre does. They have Jalen Johnson, who, who they tried more on the perimeter last year. Like, 
I think if Hunter, I think if I had to guess, if Hunter's on the team, and we'll talk about this in a more in, more in a minute, um, if Hunter's on the team, I expect him to start opening night. But you know, there's there's a chance that he just is not playing at the level, and they he kind of loses time as a result. Same thing with guys like you know Jalen and AJ. You know, we're very high on Jalen and AJ. They have to prove it. They got to play yeah. well to get their minutes. Like no one's going to gift them minutes anymore. I don't think on the same level that maybe Hawks fans even want them to. Like I think right now. Bogey's a lot more proven than AJ Griffin. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people, and I, I understand why, want to see more of AJ. And they're not, it's not just those guys one on one, but they're kind of inherently battling for minutes, I, I think, at least some minutes, as the primary wing shooter in some respects. And like, Bogey's a better player right now, today. And that's one of those to things me, that kind of trying to juggle. If Bogey is healthy, it's going to be like, Bogey's healthy, ready to go. We kind of even saw it in the playoffs. Like, He's a difference maker. Like he's oh, a difference Bo- maker. Bogey's, Bogey's really good. He's like Bogey, really good. <laughs> Bogey is a difference maker in ways that, like, honestly, only Trey can emulate. If, if am I making sense here? Where like he, that's how much his shooting pops. That's how much attention he brings when he's on the floor as a shooter, and how respected he is as an offensive player. Like. To me, like a big key is like how much can Bogey play? Can Bogey get back up to being the 30 minute per game player? Cause like when when he's that, like he's on the floor, can his defense hold up enough? Can his knees hold up enough? I'm gonna say to do that. More, I mean he's not he's not I mean he's not an old man. Like he's no. he's 30, you know? So it's like it's not the end of his career. We're we're not we're not talking about you know a 35 year old Joe Inglis. Joe Ingles or something like that. Like he's still in the prime of his career. So if he can bounce back from these knee injuries, we'll, we'll see how he looks in the world cup. Like he, the Hawks go on runs consistently when Bogey's on the floor, because that's just, that's just how dynamic of a shooter he is. And like shooting. You, you, and, I, you and I have so both up. said this before. You and I have both said this before. When the Hawks have been at their best the last three years, mm-hmm. it has always been when Bogey is healthy and playing like Bogey always like their big, the big run. Again, we're repeating ourselves a little bit, but the 2021 run to the conference finals, Bogey had the best stretch of his career for about three months. Bogey didn't miss a shot basically for three months. And that was not a coincidence. When he was when he's got it going, he is a guy that's different than everybody else on this roster. And it doesn't mean that you have to rely on him a ton. Like, you know, if his knees are not going or whatever, I think that honestly, if it was me, you talked about getting his minutes back up in some respects. They might manage him even more this year. Like last year, they only skipped him a couple times on back to backs, that kind of thing. I would almost do that more. Because they can. I mean, it's going back to the depth thing. You don't need Bogey to play 75 games. Like, Bogey being a 65-game guy, 60-game guy would be totally fine. You got enough You got enough to go around other than that. But, yeah, I think, you know, he's a big key. You, you mentioned DeJounte and DeAndre. I totally agree about those guys. I think DeJounte's defense is going to be something that I'm looking, looking at a ton. You know, obviously he just got paid, which is a different subject in some respects. But they need DeJounte to be – better defensively and i think that's something that only people like you and i like diehards really noticed i think nationally people have not really figured out that dejounte took a big step back defensively this year but it happened if you watched them he did he, he was not particularly good defensively and they do need him I mean, to be better you, than that. it's tough it's tough i don't want to because i like dejounte i like him as a player i like him as a person but like his defense against the celtics like that was the difference in the series like if he was better defensively they might have beat the celtics like flat out and it's not him guarding Jalen Brown or him guarding Jason Tatum. It's him staying in front of, like, Derek White 
and Malcolm Brogdon, like him and DeAndre, like he, he's got to find the, that the, middle ground again of being a. He's got. He's, yeah, I mean, he just like the the blowbys was like that can't happen. Like it's, no. it, it, if you can't allow somebody of their, like and Derek White's a good player, and like he might be a bit, he's might getting a little bit too much. Because <laughs> he, I think he shot a bit over his skis against the Hawks. Did, like, that hold on, hold on. While, while we're here, this is not gonna be a whole segment. Did you happen to see that people were listing uh, by p- people? I mean, one person was uh, listing the Celtics as a better backcourt than the Hawks backcourt, which does not include Jason Tatum. I don't, I don't believe. Uh, I was like, wait, who? What how, does it even what? include? Jalen Brown, like Jalen. Well, that's the thing. E- even if you're generous and you include Jalen Brown at the two, there we're saying Derek White is on the level of. Dejounte and Trey. Okay, interesting. I mean, Pop Pop thought so. I mean, Derek White well, made the USA yes. team. Not Trey Young's never made it. So I still I still have not done my uh, my <laughs> my little editorial on Trey not being on, on Team USA, uh, which is always funny because like, you know, this is not the A team on Team USA. Not to go down that rabbit hole too much, but like, if you look at the roster, they don't. Other than like Ann Edwards, they don't really have like the stars. Like they're not they don't they're not getting the top guys. And Trey said he wanted to play. Like you would think that they would have brought Trey. Anyway, um, yes. so I don't, it is it is tough. All right, that is it for part one of this three part podcast with myself and Tower Jones. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Places like Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And please stay tuned. Part two and part three should be in your feeds shortly, if not already. Follow us on Twitter slash X at Lothan Hawks. Follow me on Twitter slash X at BT Roland. And uh, we'll have much more coming in this space. Again, part two, part three should be available for you right now, if not if not right now, very very soon. And we'll see you all next time.